You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I'm pleased to be joined today with Christina Dennis, my co-host. How are you doing, Christina? Good morning. I'm I'm doing beautifully. It's wonderful. You know, even Wednesdays can be beautiful. <laughs> you know, want- typically, are you not a Wednesday person? I never asked you. Are you a Wednesday okay. person? I heard once, and I would love to hear what the audience thinks about this, that Wednesday was the day that most fights break out because it's the farthest from it's two days from the weekend and it's two days away from the weekend. And I haven't really heard that, but you know, the hump day, I kind of get it because that's totally true. And so I'm not, I have to look that up and get some scientific evidence to see if that's true. You know what? I can absolutely see that today. It was a little hard to get out of bed. I have to tell you, you know, I'm an <laughs> early riser now. That was you one are. of my goals that I got through recovered life is that I'm trying to wake up early so I was here at six o'clock in the morning, getting ready for the Ooh, show. Good for you. Happen, but I'm going to tell you, it wasn't an. It wasn't a. I was so disgusted with myself, Christina. Uh oh. <laughs> I was so disgusted that I blew through two opportunities this week to do this already. So I was like, Wednesday, I was like, I woke up like fighting mad, ready to go. I was like, all right, I'm not gonna, I'm I not mean- gonna not do this. Everybody needs to strap in then, right? Everybody needs to strap in. Damon, how many cups of coffee have you had so far? Okay, so I'm on my second cup of coffee. Don't judge. And I got my Aries cup, by the way, all the Aries. There you go. For those of you guys listening, (laughs) uh, for those of you guys listening on the podcast, I do have an Aries cup because I'm in early (laughs) April birthday. April baby. Yes, yes. I'm a Virgo, which shouldn't surprise anybody. You know, not sure if you believe in it or not, but I definitely am when I look at that description. So absolutely. Um, I kind of have fun with the horoscopes. So we've got a great show for you today. An yes. absolutely amazing show. We have two segments. Uh, we're going to talk a little psychology in segment one. And then in segment two, we're going to talk all about St. Patrick's Day. And we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to tell some war stories, right? <laughs> we're going to tell some war stories about uh, about St. Patrick's Day. And we're going to also talk about uh, what it's like to have a sober St. Patrick's Day. Right. But before we do that, Damon, I need to thank everybody who's supporting the show. This episode is being brought to you by Recovered Life contributors and people like you. And one way to support us is to like, share and follow on all of the all of the streams anywhere you're listening from. Let people know about us and also visit info.recoveredlife.com. Dot us. We have a great spot there to make a donation, help us help others. And once again, that's info.recoveredlife.us. Thank you so much for mentioning that, Christina. You guys, we have a lot of changes to Recovered Life. I've been blowing up uh, Christina Dennis's phone via text message this week because we made a lot of changes. We've got uh, a new site layout. Uh, the community is going crazy. It's going great. A lot of comments and shares and stuff. Uh, and guys, if you're not a member, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that totally for free. But I'll just give everybody a hint. You can go to recoveredlife.us and join if you want to do that totally for free. Uh, and, you know, let's jump into this first segment, Christina. Absolutely. Uh, you brought this to my attention. And uh, I have to tell you, I didn't know a lot about it. And it's called uh, EDMR. 
EMDR. EMDR. Okay, see, see how much <laughs> I really don't know about it? So what is EMDR? I've heard about this in the recovery community. Yes. And I have to be honest, I have no idea what it is. It's That's why I wanted to do this story, because a lot of people hear about it, but they don't understand. EMDR stands for eye movement, desensitization, say that three times fast, I can't, and, can't. and reprocessing. And it's uh, it has to do with lights and focus. You can find any EMDR practitioner by checking out your therapist. There are several that do this, and it is proven effective to reduce 80% of PTSD. Well, while not being so painful, one of the things that I love about it, and it's why I want to recommend it to anybody, whether you're in new recovery or you are going down the road, this allows us to go back to a traumatic event and remember it without the feeling. So it's not causing harm. I work with a lot of people that don't want to go back there. And I can understand it caused a lot of trauma, but it's stuck. It's stuck in the body. And so it started in the 80s, the woman who developed it, when she noticed that there was a connection between traumatic and trauma feelings and what we would call a trigger and your eyes. And so it actually uses light and tempo to remember something but what it's doing is is allowing the amygdala and the hippocampus uh, go ahead and finish the process. So it kind of overrides our memory by doing that. And then we don't have alarms stuck in our body. Wow, that is interesting. So you know what 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 came to mind, if anyone has if anyone out here is dyslexic, uh, shout out to me. Uh, you know, they found, I, I remember even in the seventies and eighties, they knew that eye movement had a lot to do with tracking right. and reading. And I remember, you know, doing those beads where you would focus on a bead within a distance. Right. So is that like this? I mean, what, what, it, how, what does it actually look like if you're going under an EMDR therapy session? Sure. Well, several different, but it has to do with tempo. Like they may make you hit the right leg and then the left leg. It's kind of like I said, a shortcut to those parts of your brain where the unprocessed trauma is stuck. So unprocessed trauma is like an alarm in your body. And anybody who's gone through it, you know, they'll be doing something that's really, you know, pretty innocuous. They're not used to it causing something, but it'll bump up against that unprocessed trauma and it will set off an alarm in our body. Mm -hmm. And many, many doctors, many, many therapists are starting to realize that that is the part that needs to continue. We need to be able to process the memory without the emotion. And so some practitioners, you use lights, some use tempo, some have you look at something while you're mm -hmm. discussing an event. And I'll tell you, it, it won't feel, it's not a burning bush experience. Although I have heard of people who've processed something and they used to have terrifying dreams every night and they're gone that first night. So I've heard of it um, happening that way. But most often there's just this deep sense, uh, this de-escalation of anxiety and you will feel rested. You'll feel calmer after even your first session. And within a couple of weeks, you'll start to notice something that used to take you off course isn't taking you off course. You no longer have the alarm in your body. And that's why I always tell people, 
look at this as a viable option to help you kind of walk through and know that you've done this. We both come from 12-step backgrounds where you're working through something that's incredibly tender for somebody in their inventory and they just can't go there. This allows you to finish the process and the memory can be released, the trauma can be released and you will have peace. And I haven't heard of another one. I mean, there are all kinds of different things that are going on. You know, when we think about PTSD, a lot of people think about soldiers and war, but PTSD and complex PTSD is much more prevalent in our world. And right now, even with the pandemic, many people could go in and treat their trauma uh, when they used to think, it's kind of like the brain, they used to think that if you hurt a part of the brain, it was irreparable. Now they're realizing that neuropathways around that injured part of the brain can be grown and the brain is very, very plastic. So, so you this is interesting. Okay. This is interesting because one of the things that, one of the things that you're bringing here is that the, this whole thing about these feelings, about these feelings that are in there that are causing this pain. Now, when you said 12 steps, what, what really came to mind was resentment because resentment mm. is reliving uh, something over and over and over again. And in 12 steps, they're, they're tying, and in a lot of different recovery things, they're tying resentments to relapsing and going out. They're also tying resentments to uh, emotional pain Right. And character defects. So right. are you saying that basically that the trauma from what you've learned is that the trauma is, isn't that really, it's, it's something it, it's, it's a traumatic event that's maybe triggering this activity automatically. Well, it's a way of rerouting it. It's a way of going around something that may be too emotional. So as children, when we experience something traumatic in order to survive. It's called a survival skill. You may not process it and push it somewhere else deep into your body. So all of a sudden you're doing well, you've been sober a little while, something happens and you start to shake, or you always have this low grade anxiety under everything that you're doing. And inventory is great. It is processing. But if somebody can't get to the root then it's always going to be there. You know, it's always going to be there waiting. It's like that sniper in the trees waiting for you. And so this takes a physiological approach um, that you can pair with emotional approach. And then you no longer have that alarm in your body. Um, there is a Dr. Russell Kennedy who talks a lot about the alarm being in the body and you can treat it with medications, you can treat it with rituals, but it's still stuck in there. Yeah. And I believe this is one of the most positive things that we can do for ourselves to help our nervous system integrate. Because if our nervous system isn't integrated, we don't have access to a prefrontal cortex anyway. And you may just be stuffing that resentment even further down. Yeah, I see that. I see that. And, you know, I see this working as, you know, we, we had that episode with Stacey Danford that we talk about. And yes. I, I can't remember what episode it was, but it was uh, trauma and character defects. And she explains how sometimes it's not a character defects. It's just a trauma response. Absolutely. This is kind of what I'm thinking here when you're talking about EMDR, Christina, is that uh, the the whole thing with this trauma response it's it's it almost puts your body on autopilot and being on autopilot is very dangerous uh for people who are alcoholics 
Oh, and the disassociation that saved us for a long time keeps us isolated from the solution. And we also talked about that one study that absolutely tied controlling behaviors to trauma. And that makes complete sense. If things were out of control in your childhood home or things were not within a place, you know, they weren't within a child's ability to respond to, they stay stuck. And then when we grow up, we want to control everything because we're trying to keep ourselves safe. And knowing what you and I both know coming from a 12 step, we don't have a lot of control, Mm -hmm. but we do have within ourselves the ability to heal it. And that's why I wanted to do this study to, if you've heard about it, do a little research, have a session. It's not painful, which sometimes things can be painful. It's not painful, but it is relieving. Well, I know we, you know, look, we're not EMDR therapists, no. so we're not, we're not, you know, telling anybody or diagnosing anybody here uh, on the Recovered Life Show. We never do that, but, but what we're what we're about is bringing these cutting edge things that are going on in addiction and recovery because I think it's important because I have seen and myself included, I've been stuck in certain areas and I've done the work, right? I've right. I've, you know, I've done what the therapist has asked. I've done what 12 step has asked. I've done the work, but still sometimes there's this thing that's on autopilot and you're trying to figure out, you know, Christina, like what, what is this about? And I've seen so many people relapse that have really done the work, really. They've done the work or they're miserable. It's like that they're miserable. Right. (laughs) They just need that little extra thing. I, I like this. And I, can you explain a little bit about the pain you were saying? It's, it's different than some therapies because you're not reliving the pain, right? Well, it gives you access without having to walk through pain. So if you have a traumatic event in your past or you lived a life and you can see on the outside, there was a lot of trauma and you don't necessarily know how to you know, connect to it. This allows you to not have to connect to it, but be able to process it. And the pain sometimes, I mean, for many, many people, including myself, sometimes the pain was so overwhelming of having to understand my, you know, ACOA issues, which is adult children of alcoholics, Mm. having to go there that it prevented me from really going there. This is the this is one of the tools that I use. I wouldn't say it's the only tool, but when it was explained to me, it was, you know, 15 years ago, which is a lot different now. Now we have the studies that back up what it did. And it was very, very helpful for me to be able to take care of myself because we're automatically going to disassociate with something that is too painful for us to live through. So this allowed me to to take care of myself, take care of my nervous system, not have my daily life interrupted, but be able to go and really process it. It's amazing how well it works. Yeah, it it does. It does seem like uh, magic almost, right? Like, because I think that everybody's had this experience. At least I have, if you've been in, if you've been in addiction recovery for a while and you've worked either as a coach or as a, as even, I would say even a 12 step sponsor, Christina, you've taken people through uh, inventories. And what I find that happens, there are some people that have had a traumatic experience. Maybe it's been physically traumatic. Maybe it's been a rape or it's been, uh, they're a victim of a violent crime or they had child abuse issues, right? Uh, uh, or something happened, right? They were right. in a very, very big accident. 
And there's a lot of what I'm just going to say, emotional scar tissue yes. around that, around that topic. And what happens is you get there and you're right there to the place of healing. You're right there to breakthrough, but you, they can't. Yeah. It's like everything shuts down. It is. And I think a lot of the times as, as people who are trying to help other people in recovery, they feel, well, if only I could push my way through this, right? right. This person. But I think that's dangerous. And I think a lot of people don't ask, you know, in, in the recovery world that are working with people, it's like, Hey, are you, do you have trauma from anything? Were you right. a victim of anything? Right. Like, because I think that, um, there's a lot of people that are out there that are unqualified to lead people through. And I've seen people be pushed through that and right. have ne the opposite negative responses. Uh, totally true. You're right on about that. And it's in, unless you're trauma informed, you know, uh, it should be one of the first questions we ask. It's definitely the first question I ask because that's the field that I work in. Where Where is the trauma identified for you? Because I also think that people don't even realize that some of the events that they've lived through are traumatic. And so that injury is just sitting there in their body. And all they notice is that they kept Par paralyzed. One of the things that uh, EMDR does is it helps us get out of the freeze mode. And we know fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. For freeze is definitely something that's more difficult to identify. And it'll look like you actually have a higher vibration when you start working through this. And it is so helpful for anyone who has suffered trauma or is stuck anywhere to do this I and mean, why not add it to your tool belt? Well, I have to say what comes to mind when you say that is metaphysics and, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I believe that there's a lot of metaphysics in recovering in general. Right. And, and I think it's often misunderstood. I would even say, you know, spirituality is a very similar Re yes. response and reaction and result. Like, you know, people who do spiritual work, they have this energy shift. And like, I, you know, I'm always the one that says that I pound this into the ground, Christina, you know, I'm kind of a fanatic about it, that, uh, that recovery really is a consciousness game. It's a consciousness game, right? Like once it you're is. in the consciousness, you're good. If you're out of the consciousness, you're in trouble. Right. And so, what what we have to figure out is people that are in recovery that are recovered is how do we stay and get other people into this consciousness right and part of that is the information that we're able to give people and it's also leading the way so that people can see that someone like myself who had an incredibly traumatic childhood is able to walk through it and still have feelings about you know the things that happen today that are maybe a result of that trauma but they don't take me out completely I'm able to feel it, but it doesn't take over my body. Yeah, yeah. And I think that people are afraid of that. So I absolutely encourage anybody to walk through this always with a professional, you know, always with somebody who is trauma informed. Yeah. I think one of the things is, is that if anybody's listening to this and you're in the recovery process, and I don't care if you've got a day or you have 30 or 50 days, I think if you're stuck, you know, and I have that room on uh, shameless plug here. Yeah, uh, I, I have this room on Thursdays, which I love, uh, uh, you know, in recovered life discussions in on Clubhouse, which is all about getting unstuck. And I think getting unstuck, especially I think this is even more uh, 
more uh, important for people who have long-term recovery is yes. to identify these areas in which you're stuck and then ask yourself, hey, is there some sort of trauma that is involved in this? I mean, I remember being in a 12-step group and having somebody who was very well-informed said, hey, that thing that you went through, that's very traumatic. And this isn't going to help you with that. Right. This is going to help you identify that something's up with that. But if you really want to get past that, you're going to need to go to somebody who can really help you get through that. Correct. Correct. And and we all need extra care. Sometimes we hear this, um, you know, in a 12-step group that that's an outside issue. But us, we are always needing to look at ourselves and do what is specifically good for you. Do what is specifically. If you've worked yourself, like you said, you pounded into the ground. If you've worked an issue over and over and over again, but you still have that little alarm knocking at your door. I mean, that's those are hints. Those are clues right? to keep yeah. going, to keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we did this segment, Christina, because... You know, I love talking about new things in recovery. And I think one of the things that this scares people sometimes is talking about new things because they say, well, I'm going to lose the old thing, or it's going to say that the old thing that I'm doing or the, the thing that I've been doing for 20 years isn't going to work. I say no to that. I mm -mm. say BS to that. That's not true. I think it actually enhances what's actually going on with the stuff we've learned. And matter of fact, by doing the show, Christina, I will tell you that uh, I, I will tell you that I've actually, I think the things that I learned in early recovery have been more proven now. Right, science is coming out. It's amazing when you think about it. You go, "Wow, that! How did they know?" Science is proving this now. There are some small ways in which in languaging, I think it's more the languaging that people don't like, right? But languaging can change. But yes. I have to tell you, like, I think it supports the case uh, uh, of, of how to get and stay sober long term. It sure does. And it is mar I mean, it's it's literally I have awe and wonder at the fact that they were able to create this over 80 years ago because, uh, you know, I have uh, a good friend, Stacey Danford. Shout out to her, our neuroscientist. And the more she explains about blocks, the more that it ties right back into yeah. what I was taught about in the in the early days, because I'm so old. <laughs> 25 years ago. Look, you, you can teach old dogs new tricks. I mean, that is one thing I've learned from uh, being in recovery is that like, as if you're alive, you're, you have the opportunity to be able to change. And that's the amazing thing. And that's the kind of stuff that we want to bring out, uh, you know, in this show. Um, you know, amazing episode, Christina. I, I, we've got much more show ahead, guys. Yes. Much more show. We're going to have a little bit of fun because tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. And we'll probably do an Instagram live or something special with that. So if you, you can find out about that, uh, at recovered life, just go there. Uh, if you're not a member, you can absolutely join for free and you can get the notification when we're going to go live on Instagram. But I have to say, before we continue and go into the next segment here, I have to talk to everybody about this really amazing free course that we created called Can't Say No, Christina. It's a, a three-day challenge that you and I put together. It's it's really all about you and uh, highlights uh, your work in codependency. So let me tell you guys a little bit about it real quick, uh, because I want everybody that's listening to me right now to be able to take advantage of this, because it's 100% free. It's hosted on Recovered Life. And I'm going to tell you, this makes drastic change. 
So listen, if you are an overdoer, if you are an overgiver, if you're always the person, if you're listening to me right now and you're always the person that is bringing the 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 cupcakes to the soccer thing, if you're always the go-to person in the family that's got to keep everything together, this might be a sign of everything. You might not be able to say no, and there might be a reason for that. And in this 3-3 three, three, in this free 3-day challenge, Christina walks you through with a video every day about how to set up healthy boundaries. This thing is absolutely amazing, Christina. Thank you so much uh, for creating this. It's really helping a lot of people. So here's how you get it, guys. It's very easy. All you have to do is go to info.recoveredlife.us. That's info.recoveredlife.us. You'll find a way that you can uh, click on it and access it for free. So Christina, we're going to come back from the break. We've got, we're going to be talking St. Patrick's Day. All right. All right. We guys will see you in 30 seconds. Hold tight. We're going to be right back after this break. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. All right. Oh, I love it. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. We've got a little bit of music in the background little St. Patty's Day music for everybody. Got St. Patrick's Day coming up tomorrow. So we thought we would uh, bring a little bit of green flair in. Well, before we do that, though, Damon, I want to make sure that I remind people where they can like, share, and and comment. Uh, Please join us at info.recoverlife.us. There's a space to give a donation, help us help us help others. And we really, really appreciate like, share, comment, tell us about EMDR, tell us about your St. Patrick's Ward story, and let's all be in community together. Once again, that's info.recoveredlife.us. Thank you so much, Christina, for mentioning that. Guys, if you get value out of the show, if you're listening, if this is your go-to recovery play, if you're part of the free Recovered Life Network, if you feel that you want to support us and that this helps you, this helps us help others, guys. So uh, please make a donation if you can. Christina, St. Patrick's Day, having a little bit of fun here. Right. Um, I have to tell you, um, I wanted to lead with uh, the the title here. It's Sober St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> but what I wanted to actually put when I was writing this was like, isn't St. Patrick's Day just a drinking holiday? Oh, but I didn't, sure. I didn't do that. I didn't. <laughs> for sure. Well, I mean, it was for me and I am part Irish. So I, I think that that was always what happened, you know, when it went from wearing green or you get pinched to, you know, the legal age of drinking, which is when I started drinking, it was just another celebration in which every, it was accepted to, it's acceptable to get blotted. And I can't tell you how, um, how unsatisfying that was. (laughs) I love that it's episode 86 because I was 86 from more bars on St. Patrick's day than any other day and uh, didn't know anything about the holiday. (laughs) You know, when you're getting 86 from Irish bars, Christina, maybe you have a problem. Mm -hmm. You're in trouble. It's like, um, I, I, that comic that says you might be a redneck when it's like, I think we should come out. You might be an alcoholic when, when You're yes, getting, you know, right. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you the, the reason why I want to do this episode is there's a lot of fear around St. Patrick's day for people. Uh, 
that are in recovery. I got sober in San Francisco. I live in Los Angeles now. Los Angeles is not the hotbed of St. Patrick's Day celebrations. No. Uh, but San Francisco was. And there were whole neighborhoods that were Irish that it was a big deal. It wasn't just a day. It was a week. Right. Mm, like, so yes. we were, we, we were partying for a week and I will just tell you, I have a lot of war stories around St. Patrick's day. Uh, and it caused a lot of havoc in my life. I, I will, I will tell you that, but it is really geared around drinking. It's promoted and marketed as a drinking event. A lot of the times. Sure is that green beer. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's the gateway, that green beer for me. And I never found it to be as, great as I imagined it to be, which is kind of that dopamine trick that alcohol gives us that whole idea of what it'll feel like after having the first one and then chasing it all night. I'm with you. I never, ever finished out St. Patrick's Day on just the 17th. <laughs> it went yeah. a whole week, a whole yeah. week. Well, you know, the thing is, is that I think that, um, you know, it has the holiday has changed a bit and there are whole organizations that we were talking about the other day that that's all that they do is promote a sober and safe uh, St. Patrick's Day. I, I think the thing is, is, you know, this comes back to this whole Super Bowl party conversation yes. that we had about how so much marketing and uh, effort is put around promoting this idea of alcohol being tied in and that this is quote a drinking time. Like now is the time to drink. And I think there's, you know, a couple different people. We have a lot of people that have codependency that listen to this that are concerned. They're, they're not alcoholics, right? But they're concerned that uh, somebody that they love is an alcoholic or a family member or something. And they see, it's like, ah, uh, I don't want to invite them over for St. Patrick's day. I don't want to do that. Right. Because I, I don't want to promote, the chance that they would maybe drink. Right. Um, you know, and there's a lot of fear around it. Um, but I will tell you, I personally, my family loves St. Patrick's Day, and we have built a sober uh St. Patrick's Day around the holiday, and it's it's been great. You have some traditions that you do? We do, you know, um, we do the whole corned beef and cabbage thing. We get together. You do? We have a meal. Yeah, we do the whole thing. And we've got, I checked this morning and we've got the corned beef in there right now. It's ready to go. We do the whole crock pot. We do the whole thing. We listen to the Irish music. We do it and we have some fun with it, you know, because look, just because I, I don't drink doesn't mean that I'm dead. Well, and I was going to say that if you are afraid someone, you know, like you're having a celebration, I think it always comes down to motivation, you know, and, and for me, that was definitely true. I didn't have anything attached to St. Patty's Day. So I was motivated to drink. It was an excuse. And the minute that I got sober, it was no longer a huge, important holiday to me. No disrespect to my Irish ancestors. But I do say to that codependent, Really, you know, if your celebration is about having fun and rituals like corned beef and cabbage, like Irish music, you know, invite that person. You could possibly have a non-alcoholic drink available for them. It really matters on the, the motive for having the party. Yes. And, and, if it's, uh, and if it's the motive for anybody is about how I'm going to get drunk, then that's the time to start looking at, you know, maybe your drinking habits. I love this how you were talking about motive because and and that's why you, that that's why you're a great coach 
you know, motives is all about, it's all about the motives, right? Like it used to be the motives was, even though I said I was celebrating St. Patrick's Day, in reality, it was just an excuse, right? To be mm-hmm. able to drink excessively because that yes. was a day where drinking excessively honestly wasn't frowned upon because everybody no. was drinking. A lot of people were drinking, not everybody. As I found out later in recovery, there were not some everybody not- was doing it, just the people I was hanging with. Well, and it gave me permission because like you said, so many people know that they can drink on that day or that's what the main uh, the main uh, highlight of it is. <laughs> you know, the main uh, focus is getting you know drunk, drunk. And so I always felt as somebody who secretly knew that my drinking was not great, I always felt like, uh, oh, good. Uh, everybody's doing it today. So I don't need to worry. And it wasn't until I got sober did I realize that there are people who don't drink on that holiday. It is about getting together. It is about the fun, wearing green. It is about, you know, dressing your kids up in in t-shirts. And uh, I have a t-shirt for my son that says, kiss me, I'm Irish, you know, ish. (laughs) And he loves it. He loves going to school and seeing everybody in green. And that part feels really, really good. So I, I have found life after giving up the excessive drinking. I love that. I love that. And this is, you know, listen, listen to both of our stories as dorky as they might sound like, you know, dinners and T-shirts and stuff like that. And I think that was hard for me to believe. You know, I got sober when I was younger. So obviously I wasn't thinking about that kind of stuff. Right. Then I just really wasn't. But I know a lot of people, they have a hard time. It's like and I totally get that. Having somebody who's gone through it is like, how am I going to replace this? I don't even see it as a fathomable solution that I wouldn't be able to do this. And the other thing that I, that you said that I really resonated with, uh, Christina was this, uh, this idea of like, well, everybody's drinking. Right. And I remember, uh, I'd have a little reprieve because, you know, look, if you have an addiction problem, you have voices in the back of your head that are talking right. to you saying, maybe something's not right here. Dude, not everybody lives like this. Uh, maybe you don't just drink casually. Maybe it's something, right? Like you have this stuff and these big events were abilities to be able to like Super Bowl and stuff. I'm not even a huge football fan, but right. Super Bowl would allow me to check out of that because I, I could look around and I'd say, well, look at everybody is doing that. But what I didn't, but what I looking back, I didn't see was, is that they stopped after the second or third beer. I did not. Right. Right. So, so true. And, you know, I think it's important also to mention if you're new in recovery, if you think that it's a slippery slope, it's also just a day and we can walk through just a day. You can skip holidays. This is the thing that I learned. I can skip. I don't always have to go to the party. You know, I, it's okay for me. I mean, it's in the middle of the week. It's Thursday. Um, you know, we, I know a lot of barriers have, have been taken away as far as people working from home, but you can just have a beautiful day with your family and your friends. And if you don't want corned beef and cabbage, that's okay. You can go to an Italian restaurant. <laughs> you can just make it a day. Yeah, you can. And the thing is, is the ability to be able to say that this does not work for you. And, you know, and I, I think that that's one of the amazing, empowering things that have to do with recovery is that you start to learn boundaries about what is okay and what's not okay. Like, so for me, for example, 
could I go to an Irish bar and could I hang out there? Or could I go to a bar and hang out there for a party? I could. Could I stay sober? Yes. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I've done it. But yes. but is that the most appropriate place for me? Um, and, you know, we talk about that in some of this e-course stuff that we do, like uh, like uh, Holiday Rescue. We talk right. Brian O'Shea, who's uh, one of the one of our big Irish. Uh, uh, no kidding. Right. You got the whole Irish posse there. You know, he talks about he's like, you know what? The world's not going to fall down if I don't go to that uh, that company uh, bar party. I can go. I can say hi. I can eat a cupcake and I can go home. I don't have to uh, do the whole thing. I can, you don't have I can choose, pick and choose what I feel I can do. So true. And you don't have to grin and bear it. You know, the first time that I was able to realize that I didn't have to go, there was nothing that said I didn't have to go. There was so much freedom attached to that. And I could go if I wanted to see a person that I hadn't seen for a while. Again, there's the motive. You know, why are you going to the party? Is it because you haven't seen somebody and this is when the whole family gets together? Who are the people at the party? Do Are they huge drinkers or are they, you know, those people who can stop after one or two? And you can, you can go and leave early. There's yeah. so much freedom attached to sobriety. And there's a lot of organizations out there that are now celebrating sobriety on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Well, when recovery takes hold, you know what you, what I, what I see, you know, in the work that I have done with people in recovery and I work with a lot of guys, you know, so, yes. you know, Christina knows that I work with a lot of, uh, a lot of men, especially younger people is that, uh, this loss of like, uh, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do that. Right. That this feeling of loss, then as they start to actually do the sober deal, as you start to walk through this, that is replaced by uh, an uninterest because yes. everybody has. Look, I, I don't. I, I know you do as a coach. You have these calls. It's like, oh my gosh, my best friend is going to this thing and they're getting engaged, and it's like going to be a huge thing. And I'm like, okay, well, if you feel you have to go, bring a buddy, right? Who's sober, right? Go in, um, say your hellos, do the toast have a diet Coke already in your hand, right? Like, right. You, you know, bring a, a Dr. Pepper. That's if that's what you like to do, right? Like have that, make the toast and then exit. And you've had it. And, and what, what they find is, is that after they've had to go through that a couple of times and everybody, I, I don't know, everybody. I don't know who you are. Everybody has to go through that at one point, right. right? This uncomfortable thing where other people are drinking after they do it, they say, you know what? I have no desire to stay past uh, five minutes at these places anymore. So true. And self-care, you know, is looking like you leaving early, you know, and who wouldn't want to wake up the next day feeling better? I have a friend who says she's addicted to non-hangover mornings. And, you know, these are the immediate benefits. But as you continue in your recovery, there are so many more benefits that it's hard to explain to somebody. Um, we've said before on this show, I didn't think I knew anybody who didn't drink. I really felt like I was going to be sitting on the sidelines, you know, pouting for the rest of my life. But this is what I had to do. You know, I had to grin and bear it because I can't drink. No, there are so many cool groups out there. There are so many things to go do. Maybe it looks like going to Irish band with your buddies, but get in the middle of the fold and take care of yourself. St. Patrick's Day is just a day.
It's just a day, guys, and we want to make sure that you have that day sober. So we're going to be on Recovered Life all tomorrow. And guys, if you're not a member, uh, you have to you, you got to join this. It, it's it's the best game in town, Christina, as we Thank say. You. It really is. It's like a digital home group in your pocket. You've got a lot of contributors and experts on there, just like Christina, that are on there talking with people. Uh, all of our clubhouse rooms and notes are on there, guys. It's amazing. And all you have to do is go and join for free. If you're a member of the recovery community, uh, if you're not on there, you are missing out. Yes. Jump on there and learn about all of these people. I have so much fun and I have built relationships off of that. And the pandemic took a lot of us off car, off our chart, right? Our charted course. Mm -hmm. And this yeah. is such an amazing way to get that fellowship and to get your needs met um, while you may be still isolating at home. This has been an amazing show. Episode 86. I can't believe it. I always say that. <laughs> But I really can't. Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. Christina, thank you so much uh, for today. That was a really fun discussion. I, I love learning about uh, EMDR. And we're going to put some show notes up on Recovered Life for some links and some resources for people to be able to access that if they want. And definitely everybody, I know I'm speaking for Christina when I say this, the most important thing is that you stay sober during yes. St. Patrick's Day and you come out on Friday morning, sober. That's really what so it's about. True. So true. Everybody, happy St. Patrick's Day early. Absolutely, guys. Have a great day, and we will talk to you on Friday. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.